Happy Sabbath, everyone. I hope things have been going well for you back at home and uh, everything has been good. So, uh, in a wink of an eye, we are already in the month of May. Um, I still remember when we first heard about COVID-19, it was right before the Lunar New Year. And uh, we were all commenting how things might be difficult for those uh, living in China. And um, here we are in May. And it doesn't look like things will get better in June. And uh, I have no idea when our physical services were started. But just two weeks ago, um, the pastors all met and we were given an instruction. Should physical services really start in our churches? How would we go about functioning? Uh, how would we be able to accommodate everyone that want to come to church with social distancing? Do we start a second service? Do we um, do alternate, um, you know, IC number, alternate numbers, you come from alternate weeks, um, and then our church turns to NTUC, have no idea, and we discuss. But the fact that you are still listening to me uh, over a video means that uh, we still cannot worship physically. And by now, I'm pretty sure that many of you have developed new lifestyle habits, right? Um, in fact, just two weeks ago, it was reported that the share price of Netflix increased by 30%, and um, their subscription hit a record high of 183 million subscribers at the end of quarter one this year. And I believe the number will keep rising. And um, so in light of this, because I know there are so many Korean drama fans out there, uh, and I heard quite a lot of chatter over the internet, over WhatsApp. Um, some spoofs of videos were going on about how the circuit breaker and it was a voiceover using um, this Korean drama. I have entitled today's sermon after your favorite Korean drama, Crash Landing on You. So it was that or series choice. Well, uh, either way, before I begin, I would like to invite all of you to pray with me and for me. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, truly blessed is the man who makes the Lord your trust, his trust. On this Sabbath day, in the midst of turbulent times, I ask that you cleanse me and speak through me. May your words nourish us, Lord and give us life. In your most precious name I pray. Amen. So, Crash Landing on You is a Korean drama. I've never gotten into Korean dramas, um, but since I heard so much about it, I decided, you know what? Maybe I should check it out. So, uh, I checked a little bit out, and the story begins, in case you haven't watched it, um, I'll just share a little bit, okay? No spoilers, I try my best. Um, the story begins with a successful Korean, uh, South Korean business lady. Her name is uh, Siri. And so Siri has left the family to start her own successful business, right? Uh, and the company's name is called Siri's Choice. And because of her proven success, her dad, who runs a conglomerate that intends to retire, um, chooses to pass on the entire business to her, even though she has two older brothers. 
And um, you can imagine this is not taken well in her family and there is a fight. Um, but nevertheless, uh, she, she's happy and excited to take on this challenge and to be given uh, this huge inheritance. And, um, but the next day, in a product test for a paraglider, right, she insists on doing it herself, uh, despite the winds uh, looking a little strong. And long story short, she paraglides, she ends up being sucked into a tornado and swept all the way into North Korea. And so finally, when she wakes up, being unconscious and uh, discovers that she is hanging from a glider um, that has been stuck on a tree, um, she looks down and she sees none other than her star-crossed lover, um, a North Korean captain in the army uh, named Ri Jong-hyuk. Uh, forgive me if I get the name wrong. Uh, and so he is not just a captain, but he's a member of the elite um, in North Korea. And so in a typical Korean drama, they fall in love and they have to overcome all sorts of obstacles. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. This is a sermon. Um, but by any chance, if you begin watching this drama because of this sermon, then just remember, I intro you one, okay? So, <laughs> so in the day, Siri finds out in one day, she moves from a big break a anticipation of a huge inheritance that will be announced during the next shareholders' meeting. And now she finds herself in North Korea. The trajectory of her plan, the trajectory of her life, has just taken a U-turn, a dip for the worse. And, um, you know, turn with me right now to Luke chapter 7, verse 18 to 23. I want to talk about another guy that was on the brink of his ministry taking flight. But due to some circumstance, it will take a turn for the worse. So uh, I encourage all of you to read your Bible, flip with me. I know I will put the passage on the screen, but uh, at this time, when we're all home alone, I think it's good um, to at least open your Bible. If this is the first time you're doing so, uh, in the whole week, uh, do it, right? Start doing it now. So Luke chapter 7, 18 to 23. Let's read. I'm reading from the ESV version. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Verse 21, In the hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. And the blind, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are risen up, the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So, 
Likewise, similar to Siri, John the Baptist was leading a very, very successful ministry. He was changing lives uh, despite his brand of message, which was strongly on repentance, and he was a fearless uh, man, he would wear camel skin, he was a no-nonsense kind of guy, right? Despite all of that, his ministry grew in popularity, his following grew. And uh, it grew to the point that uh, later on, King Herod, the king himself, would not dare to kill him because of his popularity in fear that the people would revolt against him. So, John was a manly man. Okay, We know he was a manly man. He, needed, he did what needed to be done and uh, he always said what needed to be said regardless of the circumstance. And so, John the Baptist, in his crowning moment, we all know this, is none other than the baptism of Jesus Christ. And when he baptized Jesus, he, he experienced the, the whole phenomenon. He saw heaven open up, saw the Spirit of God um, descend upon Jesus Christ like a dove, and uh, he saw all of that. But the unfortunate thing was, in this crowning event, didn't seem to bring him the victory that he wanted, that any of us would have wanted. See, from this point on, Jesus' ministry would begin. And as Jesus' ministry increased, his would start to decrease. But nevertheless, John knew he was uh, the Messiah's herald, and so he continued on. He was still a many man, and it would end up with him rebuking King Herod. We know this uh, for marrying his sister-in-law. You can find out more about this in Matthew chapter fourteen, uh, verses three to four. And so, Herod plus Herodus. It's funny how that whole family only wants to name themselves after one name. Um, so now Herod wants to kill him, right? But he doesn't dare. So he just gets thrown into prison. And six months have passed since John the Baptist is in prison when, he, when the passage that we read happens. And so he gets updates from his disciples that Jesus is in Capernaum while he is stuck in the fortress of Machaerus. And so... Um, this might not seem significant to you, uh, but take a look at this. This is a picture of the fortress of Machaerus, right? It is in the middle of the desert, up in the middle of the nowhere, and if you can see the picture properly, there are no windows looking outwards. The only windows there are, are all inwards. So it's more or less like a prison, a fortress built into a crater, right? And uh, there's pretty much nothing for John to look at. He's a really strong man. I don't know how anyone can take it for six months. But day after day, he receives updates from his disciples. And uh, after six months, he receives an update that Jesus is in Capernaum. So what is the significance? Well, this is how Capernaum looks like. It is 
by the sea, right? With beautiful windy roads uh, along the bay, uh, green grass, it is like a resort. And so you can imagine, right? John the Baptist, who is uh, all about hard preaching, now hears that Jesus, the Messiah, apparently, that is supposed to deliver everyone, is now hanging out in Capernaum and having a good time. So, John, in the fortress of Machaerus, even if he has a window, there's nothing really to look at, right? There's no view. Um, it is like the worst kind of indefinite stay-home notice. There's no internet, there's no Netflix, there is nothing, right? And all he gets is updates from his disciples that Jesus is hanging out and seemingly having a good time. And um, so Jesus hangs out with who? He is doing three things over here. He's gathering disciples, he is healing and teaching, and the worst is he's dining with publicans. And this is a stark contrast to John the Baptist's ministry of fearlessly reproving the sin in high and low places. Because John is about repentance. He is about being fearless and in your face. And John, quite frankly, has a disregard for authority. Right? So theologians point to Elijah as the prototype of John the Baptist's ministry. So you can imagine, the same prophet that would call down fire from the sky, that was John the Baptist's style. And uh, so he gets updates. And at this time, we can understand, John the Baptist, he expected the Messiah to liberate the Israelites. And so he was really expecting a revolution. He expected that Upon the baptism of Jesus, Jesus would grow in popularity, in power, to the point that he will be able to take over um, not just the leadership of the Israelites, but the leadership um, to, to get them out of Roman slavery. Right? But right now, he finds out that Jesus is dining with publicans. Is our Messiah running a popularity campaign? Or is he doing his work as a Messiah and actually trying to save his people? Well, doesn't he know that John the Baptist is in prison? Doesn't he know that the herald, that his herald is stuck and in need of saving? And so at this time, after six months of struggle, everything seems to smell like betrayal. And uh, you know, as Adventists, we are called to proclaim this, the three angels' message, right? And um, this three angels' message is kind of like the heralding of the second coming of Jesus. And uh, Right before this pandemic, our churches were all doing well. 
you know, the trajectory of our church was upwards. Uh, we were making plans for change, uh, some for renovation, some for overhaul and structures. Um, we were just having plans and, and it was an exciting time. 2020, from the perspective of 2019, looked like it would be a year of breakthrough. Uh, we were growing, and now, instead of a breakthrough, we are hiding in our homes from an outbreak. And we look at our circumstance, and all we want is for it to end. Give us the freedom that's preached about in the Bible, right? So, interestingly, let's look at Luke 7.21. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. So in, in verse 21, Jesus, when confronted with the two disciples of John the Baptist, doesn't give them an answer straight away. What he does is, for the next hour, he just goes to work. He does what he's been doing all along, and after an hour, right, then Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are risen up, and the poor have good news preached to them. This is Jesus basically referencing the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2, and that he was fulfilling prophecy as promised. So while this, this response is not mind-blowing in and of itself, um, why was it important? It was important because when John heard it, and you can read more about it in The Desire of Ages, um, when John heard it, he remembered he remembered that he witnessed heaven open up. He remembered that he witnessed the Spirit of God descend upon Jesus like a dove. He witnessed the whole ordeal. And so, just like how prophecy was fulfilled, the Messiah had truly arrived. And that was all it took to strengthen John's faith. And so for the next six months, he would stay faithful until King Herod would finally fall into his uh, wife-slash-sister-in-law's ploy, uh, using her daughter, and would be forced to have John beheaded. And we are a people of prophecy, right? We've heard that in the, in the past few sermons. Uh, you heard uh, the president of our conference preach about it. We are a church of prophecy. And just like John, you know, we, we look into the future with all that knowledge we have. And sometimes it's easy for us, right? We, we know all this and we look and we, we expect a, a, a revolution. We want to be more than conquerors. You know, we quote the Bible text that is like all about winning. And, and that's not a bad thing. But perhaps right now, God 
is using prophecy for us to remember. To remember how he has fulfilled every single promise, every single prophecy. And um, things don't look good right now. I don't think they will get better. Some people are more optimistic than me. They, they think um, that you know, in the month of July, physical church services may resume. Uh, but honestly, if you ask me right now, I, I honestly don't think our church will ever be the same again. Many things can happen. Um, you might be given sanctioned time slots for church services and it might not be on the day that we want. Who knows? Um, and coincidentally, we are hitting the middle of the year. And this is the time. John the Baptist was in prison for one year. And this could be the midpoint, like John the Baptist, where we need to look back, reread what we know, and reaffirm that God has been fulfilling everything that He's promised according to His will, according to His methods. This calls for some deep reflection, doesn't it? Um, it's Mother's Day season, and uh, during this circuit breaker, I know things are hard, um, and it's a really polarizing period, right? If you are single, you have no kids, uh, or your kids have grown up and they're independent, uh, this is probably a very boring, draggy, restless period for you. You are stuck at home, you have no idea what to do. Uh, and then on the other hand, if you are like me and you have young children, uh, young enough that they cannot really take care of themselves, you feel like, and taking care of two kids uh, or one kid, how many kids you have, uh, no idea, but taking care of a child is like killing me right now. Um, and every hour, I don't know whether I have enough energy to make it through the next. Um, so in fact, as I was preparing this sermon, um, my children were banging on my door asking me, why am I antisocial? Up until the past one or one and a half weeks. You know, it's funny how I preached about this before, but I have been so frustrated with my children coming in the way of my work. You know, every time I'm doing a teleconference, they will bang on my door and ask, Dad, why do you lock the door? Um, every time I need to get into a zone to concentrate, to digest something, um, they will come in and ask us to look at their spelling, ask us to open something, ask me to play with them. And um, one hour of free time is a huge luxury. And uh, Tricia has a fair share of teleconferences too. And so for us, uh, it's even more crazy because we have to stagger our teleconferences. If you leave two children uh, unattended for 10 minutes, um, all hell breaks loose. Just four days ago, if, if I remember correctly, Tricia needed me to, to get a bath towel for her. So I went, I took it, 
and I came back. It was like two minutes, one minute at most. And at one minute, my youngest daughter, Taria, had climbed up a box to reach a shelf to find a bottle of X oil. She opened it, and I don't know what she did with it, but apparently, the, when, I, when I saw her, the bottle cap was filled with saliva, and she was looking at me like that. And uh, you know what happened. Our dear little friend drank some Hong Yu. <laughs> and, uh, oh man, anxiety hit the fan for both of us, right? Um, we started flushing her, washing her hands, making sure she doesn't rub her eyes, everything. And uh, my daughter looks a bit like me, right? If you know, if you look at my face right now, the worst part about my daughter is she inherited my lips. And they are thick. So can you imagine when I saw them starting to swell up even more after all the X oil? <sighs> you know, thank God um, this change was reversible and things got back to normal after an hour. Uh, if not, I think my daughter will hate me for the rest of her life. Um, but either way, taking care of children is a super, super difficult task. And um, it hit me. Have I been more frustrated with my kids because they have came in the way of my work? When could it be that even as a pastor, I should be more frustrated that my work is coming in the way of my children. Um, so mothers, Trisha never seemed to have this struggle that I have. And so mothers, I thank you for your sacrifice on this uh, Mother's Day. Uh, I thank first my mom. I thank Trisha for holding a fort. And uh, mothers, I know that the circumstances are difficult. And at this time, it is even more difficult, right? You never run out of things to worry about for your kids. And yet, you still continue to try your best. And so we appreciate you for that. But make no mistake, even though you might toy for an hour at a time, for five, ten minutes at a time, and things don't seem to be looking better in your circumstance. Make no mistake that the good work is still being done. And there is no greater work of a parent than to teach their child about the love their Heavenly Father has for them. So I'm going to close. Um, you know, when Siri landed in North Korea, all she wanted to do was to get her old life back. She wanted, she was a picky eater. She never ate more than three bites of anything. She was cocky. She was a boss from hell in South Korea. And um, she strives so hard for success and to achieve because it was her mask to cover up all the rejection that she experienced from her family. 
And to quote the drama, right? She didn't crash. She descended into the arms of Captain Ri Jong-hyuk, a man that apparently had been there for her long before she knew, and a man that would become a bridge into a family that would love her truly for who she was, and that made her a better person. Similarly, John's ministry never crashed. He descended into a deeper understanding of what God's kingdom was about. Take a look at this paragraph in Desire of Ages, 218 verse um, Paragraph 218. The Israelites were looking for a kind of Messiah who had never been promised. John saw that the Saviour's mission could win from them only hatred and condemnation. He, the forerunner, was but drinking of the cup which Christ himself must drain to its dregs. He knew at that moment that he would not just be the herald of Jesus' arrival on earth, but that he too would have to herald Christ's death on the cross. You know, my hope for all of us is that in this period, we will not see that our lives have crashed and burned, but that we have reached a point where we truly can descend into the arms of God. May we as a church stay true to our calling and may we remember that all the prophecy we have probably is the most useful for us right now to just remember that Christ is with us and if we, He has continued to faithfully provide Yes, continue to faithfully fulfill all these prophecies and these promises one by one. Perhaps it's time for us to look back in our life and see how God has walked with us and He has never left us. And those circumstances are bad. This could be the turning point where we truly, like John the Baptist, enter into God's kingdom. Shall we pray? Our dearest Lord and Saviour, we are no John the Baptist. You know, our bubble tea and our haircuts were removed for three weeks, four weeks now. And uh, some of us are on the brink of breakdown. So I thank you, Father, that uh, you know, your promises do not hinge on the little faith that we have but they hinges on your everlasting arms. As we go through this week, I ask that you will re-establish all of us just like you did for John the Baptist. Father, we cannot wait for your return, but we know things will get worse before it gets much, much, much better. So Father, I pray that right now you bind us in one accord even though we are stuck in our own homes, that we will not forget one another, Lord. Let us encourage one another, Lord. And all the more, as we, the Remnant Church, look to the future, towards the day 
of your soon coming, Lord. Thank you for hearing our prayers. And may your face always turn towards us and give us peace. Amen.